this is actually a, a solar cell that we print out in, in a roll-to-roll printer. Extremely scalable. So in the long term, when we, this material is mature enough to be scaled up in, in large scale, it will be possible to print out in one manufacturing site solar cells equivalent to one nuclear reactor every month. Uh, and think about the difference w- when you are doing normal kind of electronic manufacturing one by one compared with the newspaper press or, or book print press where you have one template and then in high speed just print out millions of copies. This kind of material opens up for this kind of manufacturing. So, so the big... The big vision is actually to scale this up to, to one of the largest energy systems in the, in the world globally. I, I, I would say that, that almost everyone at Epishine goes to Epishine because they really want to see this innovation have an impact on, on the climate. Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to Mission First, the podcast to get inspired and to learn from successful entrepreneurs who are building a sustainable future for our planet and its people. I am Gilles Toussaint, your host and the founder of GT Impact, a growth and digital marketing agency working only with companies making a positive difference in this world. Growing a company that aims at having a sustainable impact is not easy. That's why I created Mission First. In each episode, I interview one entrepreneur who has a sustainable mission and who has recently gone through the difficult first years successfully. Together, we discuss their challenges and what they have learned on the way. We go into detail with a specific focus on company culture, leadership, financing, growth, and business strategy. That way, you'll learn hands-on tips on how to build a better future and a successful company too. Today, my guest is Matthias Josefsson. He's a serial entrepreneur and the founder of Epishine. He was the founder of DreamPark, a leading software provider who was sold to Motorola in 2011. After that, he worked as a consultant and started a company helping with fundraising for charities and associations. Then in 2016, he started Epishine. Epishine helps harvesting light to create a sustainable world. To describe it simply, they make printable solar cells fully organic with no toxic or expensive raw materials. They've made manufacturing breakthrough that allowed them to scale up an R&D product at a low cost. Their first product is a small, thin and flexible light cell printed on recyclable plastic and easily integrated into wireless products where it converts the ambient light into electricity. The light cells can be used instead of batteries on wireless sensors and similar devices in our increasingly connected world. The company has now 23 employees and they are growing quickly. Today, we are going to talk about how to scale an R&D product and build a market that doesn't exist. In particular, in this case, how to build electronics in a new way. Very often, new materials get out from the R&D lab too early to be able to scale properly. Founders choose applications that are too far away and they don't have the right business case to scale. This is the pitfall that Matthias avoided with Epishine. And this is what we are going to talk about today. So if you are into technological breakthrough, finding product market fit and scaling up technologies, this episode is for you. Matthias, thank you very much for being here today. How are you? 
Thank you for being here and, uh, and uh, great introductions. Great work on that. <laughs> well, you've done the work. I've just summarized it. So um, thank you very, very much for being here today. So as I said, you are the founder of EpiShine. Your mission is to harvest light to create a sustainable world. That's how, what I've you know, read on your website. It's yeah. a fantastic mission. Uh, but can you explain us in a few words exactly you know, what, what you do? I know you're going to launch a new product. So can you explain us a bit more what EpiShine does? So firstly, this new very exciting solar cell is quite different from, from conventional silicon-based solar cells. Uh, this is actually a, a solar cell that we print out in, in a roll-to-roll -roll printer, uh, extremely scalable. Uh, so in the long term, when, when we, this material is mature enough to be scaled up in, in large scale, uh, it will be possible to print out in one manufacturing site solar cells equivalent to one nuclear reactor every month. Uh, and think about the difference when you are doing normal kind of electronic manufacturing one by one compared with the newspaper press or, or book print press where you have one template and then in high speed just print out millions of copies. Uh, so this, is this, we, this kind of material opens up for this kind of manufacturing. Uh, so so the, big, the big vision is actually to scale this up to, to one of the largest energy systems in the, in, in the world globally. Uh, but, but to make that happen, we are doing this in some different phases. And, and the first phase that we're starting right now is about uh, small modules uh, where we are replacing, hopefully, billions of batteries in, in, in small electronic devices. So how does that work? Uh, I've seen a bit like uh, your explanations about it. So you can basically replace batteries by combining your printable, like your, your printed solar cells, your very thin film, with a capacitor. Yes, so so uh, uh, right now in this digital transformation where you are eager to get more and more data, uh, we are putting up small displays and small sensors everywhere uh, and we are making them wireless with wireless data, but we still need to power them somehow. Uh, and we are in a situation where it's more or less impossible to, to add more more smart devices because it gets too many batteries to replace. It's, it, it gets too complicated and too expensive. Uh, so, so the electronics industry is looking a lot on what we call energy harvesting. And that is to create self-powering devices that, that are using the natural energy around the devices to power themselves. And the uh, capacitor, and, sorry, the uh, capacitor yeah, that yeah. Needs, so, needs so, to be replaced. So, Exactly. So important thing normally is, is, is that the natural energy is intermittent. So you don't have it always. If you use indoor light and you turn off the lighting in, in the night or over, over the weekend, you need some kind of storage uh, to make it behave like before, like a battery. And that is very easily made by just using quite small supercapacitors. Uh, it's, it's extremely different to, to store energy for a weekend compared to something that should try to last for several years that, that, that you, if, if you don't use energy harvesting. So this is the state of the art that we have right now with your, with your films and the supercapacitors that we have. We can theoretically like take an, an equipment, an electronic equipment or a sensor and if the light is switched off during the whole weekend, so during 72 hours, yeah. uh, the, 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 the capacitor will still like powers a battery to, to keep the, the like, powers the equipment to keep it alive during the weekend. Exactly. Uh, and 
so so uh, even if you have something that that transmits data like every minute it it's possible to to make it continue to some data with, with quite a small supercapacitor uh, in, in these kind of devices and, and to understand which kind of electronics that could be powered with ordinary indoor light uh, we, we have a very easy feasibility test so more or less everything that today are powered with battery that lasts for a year or more are candidates to be powered with with the conventional indoor light. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about numbers uh, to see at which stage you are right now before we, we, we go back to the start of EpiShine. Um, how big is your team right now? Uh, 23 people, uh, employees, plus a number of part-time uh, hourly paid consultants or, or uh, hourly Freelancers. employees. Yeah. Um, what kind of like um, revenue are we talking about right now? Are you already like break even? No, we are uh, based on like 30 years of research. And uh, this month we made our uh, official product release of, of our first product that, that are commercially available globally. And uh, so uh, the revenue starts this year. The, the, we have had some small revenue more based on, on consulting and, and customer, small customer verification projects, but, but, but the revenue starts this year. And this year is some kind of tuning year where, where we are tuning the, the, the manufacturing line. Uh, so, so it's some, some, some revenue this year, but, but, but it will really take off next year. Mm -hmm. When are you planning to be like, break-even? So 2024 uh, is, is the plan for break-even. Okay. And um, do you already have like clients for, for your new product right now? Yeah. Uh, we have uh, worked in close co collaboration with a number of, of uh, customers or potential customers uh, where we have really tried out this, this innovation together with their electronics and, and uh, have a lot of uh, different stages of, of, of our solar cell in out in uh, different environments, e even uh, at, at employees at, at big companies in their homes, to, so, so, so they could, could get feedback internally and things like that. That's a very interesting point that we're gonna, like we can discuss later on. Um, yep. In terms of, so you've relied, I guess, a lot of, on, on financing uh, to, to reach this point. Um, can you tell me, we can talk about the financing later on, like, the exact details, but how much um, have you have you got in, in financing so far? So we are very grateful for, for the innovation system in, in, in Europe and Sweden. Uh, uh, so we have raised like 50% of our capital by different grants, uh, about 5 million euros. Uh, and we have raised the equivalent from, from investors. Okay. And so that, that gives us a good idea of where you are right now and what you do. Um, now, let's go back to the start of AP Shine a little bit before that even. So you had sold your, your previous company to Motorola. Then you were working as a consultant. You started Penny Bridge, which is a company, as I mentioned before, helping with fundraising for, for charities and associations, already like a very impactful company. Uh, yeah. And how do you switch from that to Epishan in 2016. How does the story start? What's the context? <laughs> so I had some kind of awakening moment during my uh, period in, in the previous company, Dream Park. 
Firstly, I really fall in love when it comes to entrepreneurship and startup scale-ups and, 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 and all around that. Uh, I really love so many things in, 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 in that kind of, of uh, journeys. Uh, but during that period, I had my eyes opened for, for very interesting initiatives where entrepreneurs are kind of combining the entrepreneurship skills or, or the toolship of entrepreneurship with solving important problems we have on, on this planet. Uh, and and uh, I was tr- trying, before I was doing, engaged, I, I was engaged in, in different things uh, on, on my free time, on my, on my small spare time, but, but, but seeing that it was possible to combine this was gave me a, a, a great vision and, and, and a great longing for looking closer at that. So of, some years after we sold our previous company to Motorola, uh, I, I took a period just to dig, dig into how, how is it possible to combine entrepreneurship and, and uh, solving problems in, on this planet. Uh, and actually, I, I engaged, besides Penderbridge, in... in Total 15 different uh, ideas. Uh, 15? And, and one, five, 15. Oh, 15. Okay, that's already a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah it, it's quite a lot. Uh, and, and learned a lot. And, and, and I really tried to understand how, how, how do you do when you try to combine like making the world a better place and, and, and uh, startups, innovation, entrepreneurship. So, and, so and, can yeah. I ask you about these like 15 ideas, for example, because I think I, myself, I can find myself in, in, in your words here, and I think lots of people can relate to that. How far did you go with these ideas? When you said 15 ideas, is it like, did you just make business plans and it was just ideas like that? Or have you taken some of them to a prototype, to launching a company and then stopping it? How far did you go with these ideas? So all of these ideas was in, in relation with the stakeholders, uh, people with, with really the vision to, to, to do what they wanted to. So I was more like an, an, a partner or sometimes an investor and, and a mentor. Uh, and uh, a bit different was, was, was Epishine because of, after some year I had a, an idea on which kind of, of uh, uh, innovation I really thought could be great and, and uh, that, that could be a good fit for me. Uh, so in that case, I engaged as an CEO for the first years. At, uh, at Epishine? At Epishine, yes. And, and how, uh, how do you start, just before you start Epishine, can you explain us how you have this idea and how you basically, how you start the company? How do you meet the right you know, partners to start it with? So, so first, some, some important learnings from, from, from the three years between uh, Dream Park and Epishine was that, that uh, we really have problems in our ways of thinking when we try to combine entrepreneurship or, or, or business with, with making the world a better place. Uh, because we normally think that, that it doesn't match. Uh, so in several of, of, of the initiatives I, I was part of, it was kind of, it didn't work because it, when you try to make the world a better place, you kind of end up more like an charity or something and, and, and you don't really get to center on, on, an, an, on an idea that are creating value. Uh, so, so, it, so, so the most important learning during this period is, is that if you want to combine the power in, in, in business and entrepreneurship w- with the impact, you really need to do it 
with the normal ways of thinking about building a great company. It has to create a lot of value uh, in monetary to be able to scale, to be able to continue to work, etc. Uh, so it has to be a, an extremely good business idea. Uh, and, and then you should try to, to scope it or, or do it around something that, that are solving important problems. And, and uh, so based on the learnings, I was looking for an innovation that really was able to create business cases around that was groundbreaking and had potential to, to be some kind of global business. And, and I was looking mostly in, in the local environment where, where we have extremely good competence within organic electronics. So, so uh, when I had the opportunity to together with a number of researchers at, at the Linköping University, uh, engaged in this spin-out, it, it, was, it, it was fantastic to have that opportunity. And how do you, basically, what are the first steps to start the company? Because at the time you have this idea of the solar cells, but you didn't have the knowledge. So how, what are the first things you, you do? Uh, so the first two years, you could say that we worked a lot on just finding the right first business case for this kind of innovation. Uh, the normal... The normal way to use solar cell is not to replace batteries in small electronic devices. It, it's to use them on the roofs, on, on houses, or in big solar plants. But but this this kind of new advanced material is extremely hard to 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 use for that kind of um, scalable business case right now. It will be over time, uh, but but the, we found out that it was extremely important to find something else to start with. Uh, because otherwise we would just have to, to, to work with research and, and use a lot of money for, for years and years and years before we would have any kind of a real business. Um, so let's then maybe talk a bit about, because you're already like um, mentioning a few do's and don'ts that you sent me that are super, super interesting. So maybe let's start a bit with that. Uh, so you sent me some do's and don'ts about you know, how to scale up a product from the R&D to, to a new market. Uh, and the first one you sent me, you told me, be prepared that hardware is 10 times more complex than software and that development of advanced materials is 10 times more complex than hardware. So if I get it right, it's development of advanced materials is 100 times more complex than software uh, development. So can you explain me a bit that? So this is based on statistics. That, that I had from, from the professor Olinganas, that, that is, is the father of this innovation we work with within uh, Epishai. Uh, and I, I, I had a quite good understanding that it hardware and, and, and what we were looking at was, was, would be more complex and take more time and be more expensive compared with my previous company that were within software. Uh, but uh, when I had these statistics, it was... It was, uh, <laughs> it it gave an, gave an important understanding on on uh, that is quite different to work with advanced materials compared with with software and and and, and the, the statistics that that Ola had showed that hardware compared with software is approximately ten times more complex or harder or more expensive to to develop uh, and uh, advanced materials is ten times more than. Uh, more normal hardware, yes. 
So when you say get like, be prepared, how should you be prepared? If I start a company, if tomorrow, you know, I'm, I'm also like sometimes I've studied, uh, spent 10 years in chemistry as well. I also have a cup that says, you know, like it's caffeine here. It's like related to chemistry, but it's not, but I'm not in chemistry anymore. But let's say if I want to start a company tomorrow and I say, okay, uh, let, let's start with a very innovative product. How should I be prepared? Is that in terms in, of, for example, financing that yeah. you, you should be ready? So, uh, uh, absolutely, the the way to to find find the, the way to walk when when you are getting into this kind of spin out, I think that you should really look at all different kinds of both financing, and and also all different kinds of uh, outsourcing and and collaborations and things like that. Uh, because doing everything yourself and, and uh, develop everything and, and manufacture everything will be extremely expensive. Uh, and normally you will lose a lot of money during the first year. So, so even though it's, it's more important, more expensive to outsource some of the steps than, than you could be paid, uh, it, it's in total uh, a much higher speed for a company to, to kind of get something out and, and start to, to do some real business and then over time uh, increase. What's an example what, 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 of outsourcing, yeah. for example, when you say, can you give us an example of what you have outsourced at the beginning with, with Epishine? Yes. So, so until, until uh, this fall, we more or less rented all of the machines that we used for, for, for the manufacturing. Uh, one of the machines we were renting from the university uh, for full time. Uh, one of the core machines and and uh, and the rest of, of the machines in our process we, we were renting by hour uh, in, in, in a close by uh, facility. Mm-hmm. So you were going there at the facility because these are not equipments that you can like bring it at your place easily. I guess you go there with your materials and you you test it, you run it for a few hours. Yeah, uh, close by. It's it's not the right word. It, it's we are actually sharing facilities, so it, it's, it's it's that close. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what about the the team itself? Like, who were because you're not a scientist. You are like uh, you have a background in, in business and entrepreneurship, but this is a very very technical product. So who were the who who was part of the core team at the beginning, and what is your role as a as a CEO in 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 that? At the, at the very beginning, then. Yeah. So uh, we had uh, uh, first we have uh, Professor Inganas, which is uh, a bit over sixty-five years. So he is more of a mentor uh, on, on the sci- scientific side. Uh, and, but but in his team at that time he had three persons: uh, Jonas, Anders, and Thomas. Uh, and actually, they their their vision and their drive. Uh, was was about to take this out from the university and create a company around this. Uh, so I, I had three world-class scientists within uh, organic electronics as, as part of my team. Uh, and one of them, Jonas, is, is the CTO uh, since start in, in the company and, and the technical lead. Uh, and Thomas is, is the R&D lead uh, today. I had extreme, extreme competence within the company. Uh, and uh, from start, uh, and then it was me together with with uh, uh, actually the first year we, we we had some collaboration with a small team from from the Chalmers School of Entrepreneurship, 
uh, three persons in that team working together with us regarding business, the business model and, and uh, the innovation business fit and things like that, or innovation market fit. Uh, and uh, during that time, we learned to know uh, one, one, one of the persons in, in that team, extra, extra closely, Emma, uh, who, who then joined the, the founder team when we continued the journey with Epicenter. What was the most difficult part about these, you know, first, first, let's say the first year, what was the most difficult part outside from the technical aspects of the R&D? We started to spend quite a lot of time on, on the searching for grants and we failed on the number of applications in the start. Uh, so so uh, we time went on when we had to bootstrap everything Uh, and and it was quite a low speed and and not that focus that we wanted to have. Uh, so what we did was that we decided that now we we will make it possible. We will use our own funds to make it possible to for Emma to work full time uh, to work with applications and, and things like that. So 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 we put uh, enough effort into in, into try to get this kind of uh, support because we thought this is this is an fantastic innovation that really should get into the innovation system and have some grants. Uh, and and from, that, from that period, we, we started to get a lot of uh, successful application. Uh, so when you realized that you were basically going to, to run out of cash, you decided to like cut off a few of our, or let's say take less salaries or take less time for, for the other like founders, the people of the team to say, okay, now we, we, we put all the We put all our money on, on 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 one horse, and in that case, that, that was Emma, uh, who was was like just like responsible for trying to find more money with grants. Actually, until then, we had no salaries at all from the company, uh, so we were just bootstrapping everyone. Uh, and Emma was working full time as a trainee within Ericsson after Chalmers, uh, but she was uh, so interested in 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 kind of putting her full time into Epishine and leaving this trainee program. Uh, so uh, we decided to, to just handle the situation to, 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 to get funds uh, f- from ourselves to make it possible for her to, 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 to get up to full time. And, and to do that, she needed some kind of salary. And how long have you like, all worked without a salary, like, uh, including the scientists? Most of the people had full-time jobs uh, and, and uh, several of the scientists within the university. So, so a lot of the time was, was very close to, to things that, that, that was important for Epishine. Uh, myself worked with, without salary for uh, three years, I think, before, uh, before we started to, to uh, uh, have, have that kind of, of uh, economy in the company. And were you working like um, full time for Epishine, or did you still have and, and then running on, on your basically your savings, or where did you were you yeah. working part time as a consultant, for example? Yeah, so my my uh, um, actually my commitment was to spend half time without salary on Epishine, uh, but in in reality I spent equivalent to full time. Yes. So yeah, it gives us a good idea of how to basically be prepared to to start the company. Uh, to start a, uh, a development of an advanced materials like that. That was your first do. And the second one was be very creative, engage to find a first scalable business case that can be implemented as quickly as possible. Can you explain us a bit that, please? Yeah, we spent a lot of time on, on uh, 
looking on different segments in 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 different kind of businesses all around the world actually uh, i spent a few weeks and and we hired a person for for a period down in nigeria uh, to evaluate one of our early business cases uh, which actually was i think that is an interesting idea as well because they use a, use a lot of batteries and use a lot of uh, um diesel engines to generators to power their cell phones uh, and, and uh, the first idea was to create a very cheap small solar cell a solar sheet to call them uh, that only lived for a couple of months but would be able to to manufacture very cheaply uh, and and so on and and, and it, i think it's important to, to give it some time and, and discuss with 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 actors within within the industry because we thought for a long time that that using this thin flexible solar cell together with the internet of things could be very interesting because we thought they were small and maybe thin and things and things like that uh, but when we digged into that business opportunity and, and looked at at uh, what would you be paid for uh, a small module compared for square meters uh, and and what would the material cost be per, per small module and things like that uh, when you looked at uh, what are the conditions, what are, are the corner cases that are most important to handle in this situation, and how strong are we compared with with uh, silicon, for example, in in, in that business case, uh, it, it it became very clear. So so as as more deeply we looked at this business case, which we waited for quite a long time, uh, but when we dig deep into that, we 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 find out that this is this is actually. Uh, it's easy for us to start with small modules. It will be a, a good b- business case because we will get quite good paid per per raw material we use. Very good paid compared with when we will sell something based on on, on larger sizes. Uh, and we are very competitive when it comes to the efficiency in in the corner cases, like when you have fifty lakhs or, or lower in in different parts indoors. Uh, so. Uh, uh, and, and had we started with something else, it had been completely uh, much more complicated uh, journey for us. Uh, right now, I think we have found something that 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 are very quick when it comes to it comes to new manufacturing methods, new advanced materials, uh, and, uh, and 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 a, a good business case that 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 will uh, where we don't have to. Kind of lose a lot of money forever, but but we'll start have have a, a good figures quite quickly. I have a technical question here because what I'm asking myself now is: so you print a small, thin, flexible light cell on recyc- on recyclable plastic, yeah, and you can integrate that into wireless products. So, what is the like? Let's say I'm a manufacturer of wireless products right now or sensors. Um, how like uh, what do they order from from you? They give you the spec, and you you print a small plastic film, uh, a small plastic piece that you send them to them to integrate in this sen- uh, in their sensors. Yeah. As, as, uh, after. So ah, they that's, are... that speaks for itself. <laughs> they won't people yeah. won't be able to see it on the podcast, but you can look at the YouTube videos, and then you can yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. The so so it's 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 a small plastic piece. Uh, this example I'm showing is, is like five times. Five uh, square centimeters. Five centimeters. Uh, is it and, transparent? 
so actually it's a bit semi-transparent. Ah, yeah, yeah, uh, I can see your and, face and, through and, it. Uh, and, and that that is that is actually because when we when we should maximize uh, the efficiency at low light, uh, the layers should be very very thin. Uh, so so it's because they are so extremely thin, it's semi-transparent. It is like one thousand of the of a hair, the actual solar cell uh, that are between the the encapsulation plastics here. Oh wow. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Then that's that's pretty clear how you basically how the product look like. How do you work with with with, with these partners? Because at the time at the beginning you you explained you know before you you can sell a product you have to try to develop it in collaboration with with your potential client future clients. So how does that happen? Like uh, how how do you start uh, finding these partners? How do you approach them? And how long does a typical cycle of development uh, take with them? Oh, uh, that is, of course, very different depending on which kind of application you're looking at. But let's uh, take the, the successful, let's start with the yeah, successful but, one. But uh, so uh, we have we have been out looking for, for companies working with this kind of electronics and we have focused uh, on, on these kind of companies which have some kind of hardware development in Sweden because we are based in Sweden and, and make that kind of collaboration as smooth as possible. Uh, and uh, some of them we have reached out to and uh, and, and yes, connected with uh, by ourselves and uh, by calling them or by visiting them at fairs and things like that. Uh, and some of them we have been kind of uh, matched with. Uh, in, in for example, we have we were part of a, a Swedish program called Ignite Sweden, uh, where uh, a, a number of incubators challenged big corporations to to uh, commit to buy things from startups within within IoT, mm. uh, which was was a good program. What was basically like the, the the first partner, successful partner you 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 have, if you can name it, or explain like a bit uh, how how the partnership started and how long did it take if uh, to to basically from the first contact to let's say the the successful validation of the the, the business case. Yes. Um... And important to say here is that we we started to do things with with uh, small and big companies very early uh, through this Ignite Sweden. We, for example, were matched with um, uh, one the world's second largest home security company, very short, uh, and they have been important for for the verification of, of different things along for a long time. And, and we started, and we also have been in collaboration with small companies uh, that are next door, more or less, in in, in Linköping, uh, and, and that creates also a lot of interaction and, and quick things, and and and, and are a very quick quick way of of uh, finding out how to do things. Uh, but um, we started when we when we were doing most of 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 the of the solar cells by handcraft. So, so they were they were really looking like crap. <laughs> so, so it was more almost that, that you were embarrassed to show the, the 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 prototypes for 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 the customers. But but we still try to explain for them this is an early prototype. It's important to understand what you think about contacting, what you think about form factor, and 
and and uh, try to evaluate things around and so on. Uh, so so we did that, and and some sometimes it 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 created problems because they thought this was the product and they made measures on it and, and said no, don't do measurements on on this uh, early product. Look at the specs. We will deliver the specs. Uh, but but that was hard to to create for them. So 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 some of them thought that well this is this has too low performance. It's nothing for us. Uh, even though we tried to explain that that look at the specs. But but uh, I think I think uh, we did it the right way anyhow uh, because uh, as early as possible you can get the interest and understanding in collaboration with customers. The 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 better ways you are going with the company. That's a very interesting point. Uh, when you mentioned, how did you know? Uh, can you explain us why, for example, you were like printing a product and then giving them, giving it to them to basically test or to have an idea of what it looks like, how it feels like, how you can be manufactured? But you were saying that like you were asking them to not test it because you knew you knew the performances would not be good enough, but you knew you could reach the spec later on. Can you iterate a bit on that? Yeah. So so uh, it has been. Uh, kind of proven uh, uh, by ourselves that that the, the material uh, or or the stack that we can develop in small scale with spin coating is able to scale up to do in in uh, in our old road process but it takes time uh, so uh, the first versions are don't have the performance that that we are kind of that we will reach uh, and um, uh, so, so, so what we told the customers actually was that use more light to test the behavior uh, and, and and look at the specs about the, in which kind of lighting condition it will be, be possible to do in the future when when, when it's uh, commercial this product. So when you said you were developing the product, uh, when you said that you, the performance at the beginning were not good enough, it's coming. So you start spin coding. It's basically like. For the people to give them an idea, it's just just you take a like a, a disc that you make you rotate very quickly. Exactly, you, yeah. Like you, you put a drop of liquid, which in that case not liquid. It's basically your your the solution containing all your your magical products and uh, that uh, that that makes your your solar cell. And then it's basically it's spread on the on a very thin layer on the spin. And then but that cannot be scaled up. In order to scale up in chemistry, that kind of thing, you basically use other not extruders, but the, uh, I, for, I forgot how you call these. Uh, we can make basically long films and tapes of, yeah, of, so, of so, these materials. So the main main technology we're using in the in the scaled up manufacturing is something called slot die coating. Mm, uh, slot, uh, slot die where we're getting yeah. very thin, very homogeneous uh, kind of coating layers uh, of different materials. And so on the scale up part, where you were saying that, for example, the performance were not good on the first steps is when you were going... Every time you had a new customer or a new client, uh, when you were going from the spin coating to the like the, the slot die coating, you knew that the performances would not be ideal because it's the first uh, test with with a product oh, yeah. at that scale. And, and so many different things because because in the early stage uh, we 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 didn't know uh, actually how to blend everything to work the right way. Uh, or to mix everything to make it work the right way when you're manufacturing it in this slot die coating roll-to-roll model. Uh, so we had lower performance from start. And then then we did a lot of manual things when it comes to adhesives and, and making the 
barrier plastics encapsulating the solar cell, which is extremely important because if you don't make it perfect, you will start to degenerate it quickly. Uh, so, so most of the things that, that, that were shipped was not perfect sealed. They, they started to degenerate directly. And, and, and yeah, uh, so it, it was absolutely not a commercial product in that way. It was, it was like uh, development copies of, of something that we were working with. Okay, but you, you knew that you would get the, the right performance at the end, and hopefully you managed to convince the, the partner of that too. Um, and, the, and, and, and if we should have waited until we had kind of proven life length and a proven process of everything, uh, then we would have waited to start to do things together with customers until like September or, or when we had the internal product release of, of this first product. So... Uh, that had been totally different. Ah, okay, yeah. So you mean like by what you mean here is you didn't have to to wait to start to to scale up to have the right performance, but you can you could start already working on the scale up and then think about the performance on the on the like, during the process. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about the third uh, do and uh, that's that you sent me, which is a don't in that case. You said. Avoid, if possible, a first business case that requires too much continuous research, R&D. Everything takes longer than expected, and it will be very expensive, meaning extreme delusion to fund this with equity. So can you explain us a bit more? So our big vision actually is to uh, scale this uh, solar cell technology up. Uh, to, to be one of the largest energy systems in the world. Uh, that it has that potential. Uh, but if we had made up our business case, uh, uh, we, ha- we would have to... Uh, I don't know. Uh, we, had, we, we had been in a situation where we were uh, trying to improve a lot of things by ourselves and together with, with researchers around the world and things like that uh, and, and try to make that as, as quick as possible. But, but it, it, it would have been extremely expensive. And, 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 I, and I see a lot of, of research projects where, 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 where you have this fantastic idea uh, that, that have a huge gap between the research uh, where you leave the universities and things like that and before you could actually use this commercially. Uh, and, and that is extremely hard to just, just get more and more funding to, 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 to take this all the way to this fa- big, fantastic product. So if it's possible, uh, as we said before, to, to find smaller steps and find other ways to use this technology to, to get the first business case up and running, I think that, is, that helps a business quite a lot because, because research projects works best in, in the research institutes and it's hard to do as, as a company with, with, with the only business case, this, this research project. And this is why, as you said, I saw the presentation you did at the, the, the Ecos Summit in 2019, when you explained that these are, you considered basically three phases of the company, which is like the, the ideal scenario, the, the one with the biggest impact being at the very end, but you start with the most like feasible one, doable one at the, at the very beginning. So that's very like like that's very smart and very good advice for for entrepreneurs out there. Um, the fourth do you sent was find customers who believe early in your solution. If you are in, if you are onto something good, exciting customers want to be part of the development. 
if you don't find such customers, you probably do not have such a good idea as you as you think. So can you yeah. explain us a bit more about this? So this this is so many things uh, at the same time. So, so uh, one thing that often happens is that you you have your own baby within the company that you think is is something that every everyone wants and 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 uh, and can't be without. Uh, uh, but you really need to try it in the reality to understand if this is as interesting as you think. Uh, so uh, so get. You really need to get out and, and, and try this idea with customers and, and, and uh, potential customers and, and see see what they think. And and if you have something that that actually are fantastic, then then there will be uh, smart people in different industries that, that that see this and and want to join up to kind of be the first using this kind of solution. Uh, and and also by Building this kind of partnership and collaboration, you are getting a lot of support on on, on how you should frame and 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 uh, f- make this this idea uh, in total. So you basically need to have this like uh, haha moment where you have to go around with your products or uh, like uh, different product ideas until you find someone super super excited. Uh, what what when that moment? How many years did it take you before you reached such a moment? Uh, so I would say that it took about two years trying out different uh, business ideas. Uh, uh, and uh, during, in, in, in the middle of that, making a, some, the decision what we really believed in and about I don't know, half a year or, or, or more uh, before we had some kind of, of a customer that, that really confirmed that this, this, is, this is something that we are looking for. Okay. And when you, attract, when you, when you go with these uh, customers, one question I have is, um, who do you reach out to usually? Like uh, these customers were mostly, like you said, a lot of them were coming from the, the programs you, you went into, you were accepted to. But if you were to start right now, uh, again, what is the number one advice for an entrepreneur? Uh, where would you advise him to go to, to try to find these customers in this kind of like a very high-tech uh, solar product, for example? Yeah. Um. Most of, of uh, big companies has their innovation departments, uh, with, which is uh, at early stages a, a good place to, to start. And, and they call often they call the people uh, looking for, for, for this kind of collaboration for, for scouts. Uh, so, so try to find the innovation scouts at, at the large companies. Uh, that, 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 that is a good place. Then I also think that you should try to find small companies Uh, that really could benefit from this and, and are looking for, for their own way to differentiate how, how they are doing things better than other companies. How uh, do you proceed to find these small companies? Because it's a bit more difficult. And, uh, and, and I think it's, if, if you could find someone that are quite close, uh, that, that would help because the communication is important and, and kind of if you could some, find some, some companies working with this in, in the same city as you are, Then you could could meet often and, and do things together and and and, and get high speed uh, and 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 I, I 
for us, I think it was very helpful to have both those small, very, very quick customers that, that we uh, met and, and shared things and, and tried together and, and put put different devices up on, on each other's offices and things like that, combined with working with, with mid-sized potential customers and also, also large ones was giving an, uh, yeah, different pers- important pers- perspectives at the same time. And where did you find these small companies? Did you just, you know, hit your chamber of commerce, like local chamber of commerce and, 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 and checked who was starting a company like that? Or was it more in the university uh, feel like really like spin off like this? I would say it was mostly by networking and, and also by by the kind of incubators that, that you have in, in the cities that, that know what is happening and, and, uh, and where you could meet a lot of people and, and discuss what you're doing and, and learn about which which kind of companies are interesting within this area. Okay. And for example, how much effort have you put into trying to promote your product into fairs and events and I don't know podcasts like this one for example to to spread the word and to I know that you've done that in order to find some investors at some point as well but in terms of finding client is that something that for example can work to just go and try to spread the word in a in a general manner in these bigger events and and wait that people come to you yeah so in the early years we were only uh, visiting fairs and things like that we we did not have our own booths and things like that uh, by a good place to, to kind of get a lot of business cards and, and, and find a lot of potential contacts is, is just to visiting, visiting the right kind of fairs. Uh, so we were driving around Europe to, to, uh, uh, to visit a number of different fairs within, within this uh, uh, kind of, of, of segment. And you were talking uh, and doing your, your elevator pitch to all the big no. companies that might that might, might be so, a good fit. So, uh, well, it it was not kind of an elevator pitch. It was more more like bring something to show them and 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 uh, try to get some interest so you could have just a conversation. Uh, would this be of any interest of you, or how do you think about uh, powering uh, things without batteries and, and things like that? Yeah, in your uh, case, it's pretty. You have a very convincing, or let's say, very attractive. Objects you can really show them to yeah. start to 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 spark the, the conversation. Exactly, uh, but when it comes to to more uh, social media and awareness of the company, we were focusing on a number of awards uh, and uh, also a number of these kind of pitch events. Uh, but most of them were related to to pitching for investors and things like that. Uh, but but. Uh, they are a lot of them are using uh, social media and, and, and things like that in a good way. So 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 we get the word out both for investors and for for um, uh, all, all of the yeah people lo- looking at startups. Yes. Let's talk about the last do you sent me, which is formulate values to unite around. We have formulated our values based on the acronym EPIC. So. Uh, okay, I guess yeah. you can explain me that, and I'm very, very interested into that because I, I really like CEOs that actually, uh, you know, have so like put so much importance on on the the values as on the the product or the the, the, the team. Yes, uh, quite early uh, we 
found out or, or, or we started to discuss in, in, in the founder team that, that we, something is, is, is extremely good in, in, in the company culture. Uh, we have some kind of passion and we have some kind of, of commitment and, and uh, yeah, we really like uh, how everything is, is feeling and, and, and working right now. Uh, and, and we should try to kind of, of um, find out what, what, what are the things that, that are so important for, for, for the speed that we have and, and, and for what we think feels so good. Uh, so together with all of the employees, uh, we try to kind of uh, discuss and, and uh, write down what what is the important things that we really want to keep in this company as we grow. Uh, and that ended up in, in, in these uh, four areas uh, that we use the acronym EPIC. Uh, EPISHINE actually means, uh, the name EPISHINE is a short form of EPIC. What, what does uh, EPIC, your acronym, stand for? Yeah, so E is for Embrace Challenge, uh, which is an important part uh, where it's okay to failure uh, and, and uh, where you need to, to really, really, really try, even if you don't know how to do it, uh, and, and be open to, to get out in the unknown. Uh, but also to, to really to commit to try to to uh, to solve the challenges. So embrace challenges is uh, some part of our culture that is very important. Uh, then we have P is for pioneer innovation, uh, and uh, and we are trying to to do everything uh, in in how we are creating this company in an innovative way. Uh, and uh, we think that the strength that we have in, in, in the core value company of the company is about how we have pioneered uh, to find new ways of manufacturing this kind of solar cells. So we have some unique process steps that, that, that are really solving how, how to scale up this kind of, of, of solar cell manufacturing and also how to make them very efficient at low light. Uh, so that is part of our DNA, pioneer innovation. For the eye, we have impact on planetary scale. That's right. And I like that uh, because it, it, it speaks both about uh, doing something at very large scale uh, and it also speaks about doing, doing something that has good impact for the planet. I, I, I would say that, that almost everyone at Epishine uh, goes to Epishine because they really want to, to, to see this innovation have an impact on, on the climate. Uh, so that's, that is an import, very important why for the company. Uh, and the C then is for collaborate and empower, uh, where, where we think, really believe in, in the collective intelligence by uh, collaborate and support each other and, and don't try to, to uh, build your own kind of fences and things like that. That's very, like, one of the things you said is very interesting to me when you said that you actually formulated these values all together with your employees. Uh, after how many years or when, when did you start, like, working on these values when you've done, like, this whole workshop about that? Uh, so uh, I think we worked together, like, two years or something like that uh, be before we sat down and... and, and uh, How many were you at the time? How many so people? So it was, yeah, 10 plus people. So that's very, that, that's something that I really like about your approach here. 
because I think uh, starting with why is very important and defining, uh, as you said, having a strong why, this is how you, you motivate your employees. This is how you attract great talent who want to have an impact. Uh, and, but it's also very important that when you start with this why to figure out this why and to figure out your mission and uh, your vision, uh, very often CEOs try to do that alone. And I think that the most powerful way to do it is actually to, to like, uh, how do you say, to involve everyone. And I think that's, that's what you've done by, by, by what you just mentioned here. You've done that. You sat down with all the team and the employees at the time, not only the, the three co-founders or the three C-level uh, persons, but you asked for everyone to participate in order to formulate something that everyone would stick to. And I think we made it because because it, it's uh, it's used and, and and people are referring to that when 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 they are motivating why we should do things and so on. So so it's it's not something on the wall. I, I think we have, uh, and and I think it's important for for, for to continuously uh, try to live in the values if, if you have them formulated. Uh, but uh, we had a good start, and I and I think we are using them the right way right now. That's perfect. That's great to hear. Um, one thing I want to ask you before we go to the last question, the usual last questions, is you. Um, so you started as a co-founder and you were the CEO of the company. And you corrected me when we started this episode that like you are not anymore. And I actually read it yesterday to you. You're not anymore the CEO of the company uh, because you, you just found an, an, a new CEO. Um, can you explain us a bit? Why have you looked for a new CEO? I mean, what did you want to like, are you already like thinking about your next challenge and you want to move on to your next challenge? Or is there, what's the reason for hiring a new CEO? Yeah, so uh, since October, we have Anna Björklo uh, as CEO of the company. Uh, and the reason for that is uh, that we really want to be create a big manufacturing industry out of this innovation. Uh, and and I I don't have the background within manufacturing, uh, and I don't even have the kind of personality of of creating processes and order and things like that. And and we are already now getting into the phase where it's very important to 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 uh, start to create processes, start to create order, and also to to start uh, scaling this uh, manufacturing industry. Uh, and Anna has the perfect personality personality for that she has the perfect background for for uh, because she, she has been working all her life as uh, in leading position mostly as CEO within manufacturing industries uh, some of them even rolled to roll and were very close to what we are doing uh, and uh, and then I could continue to be kind of the chaos pilot in, in the company without creating chaos for everyone and because I think we will collaborate in the plan what I think so far and and, 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 and the goal is to find this kind of uh, very good collaboration between me and me and Anna uh, where, where I will continue to focus on business development and and uh, get some quite a lot of administration away from from my board uh, and or from my table and instead uh, focus that time on on sales and marketing that's I mean that's Two things are very impressive to me here. The first one is that first you're very humble uh, in order to say I don't have the knowledge to do to do this scale up of manufacturing. 
And it's also very humble of you to say it, but it's also very humble to decide to step down as a CEO because lots of people would have to, you could hire someone like Anna uh, in a different role, like, or like put her as a chief manufacturing officer or chief, I don't know what you could name her, uh, but it, it's very, I think it's, it's, it's very humble and, and a very like smart decision from you to also like to say, okay, we're going to put, it's a very technical company. Let's put someone who has a, a technical background uh, as a lead. Uh, and also it's very, I think it's very inspiring to actually see uh, one of you like stepping down and hiring uh, a female entrepreneur, a female uh, leader in that case, which is, I think, showing the way to the, the new generation as well. Um, let's finish. So congratulations for that. And uh, Yeah, and, and, and it's important to say again that it's not about me leaving the company. So it's, it's a kind of uh, more like boasting it. Yeah, it's, so it's exactly, but it's, it's knowing about, you know, your strengths and you basically decide you don't care about the role or the, like, let's say the, the name of the role, you, you, ask, you actually care more about uh, doing what you do best, which is in that case, business and marketing. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so let's start with the usual questions. What's the best advice you've been given as an entrepreneur? Uh, so I think the best advice is... Uh, goes back to what, what I said before, uh, and that is to, uh, you don't know anything about your ideas before you have tested them with, with the reality. Uh, so, so, yeah, <laughs> get test out it. there and test, test them with, with, with the potential customers. What's your favorite question to ask a candidate during your, your recruiting process? You managed to put up an amazing team there. So what's your favorite question to ask potential like, uh, candidates? Um, yeah, uh, there are several different, but if I should pick one, it's uh, what is sustainability for you? What does it allow you to, to know about the candidate? Uh, actually, it, it helps quite a lot to, to, uh, to, to understand If, if the people if, if the person ha has been thinking about what sustainability means uh, because that that is that is something that relates to all aspects of the life in in, in the right way uh, and uh, and and in and for our company I think it's it's quite good if people are responsible when it comes to the environment and things like that and and, and have thought about sustain, sustainable way of living and and, and reflected about that Uh, but also to get in, into a startup and, and both be passionate, but also kind of keep together over time. You need to understand about how, how to live a sustainable life in total. Yes. Uh, which book would you recommend entrepreneurs like you to read? Or what is the last book that you've read that you, you really liked as an entrepreneur? Uh, so... I, I really like Brene Brown, actually. Uh, it's all about people and, and the building relations uh, in, in a way where you kind of actually are growing as a, as, as, a, as a human, as a person. It talks a lot about vulnerability. It's called The Gift of Imperfection. Ah, perfect. I will add the link uh, in, the, in the resources of the, the episode. Um, yeah, and, but, but I, maybe the book I, I have came back to, to several times that I would like to mention is, is the, the, the 
Seven Habits of uh, Efficient People. I started it, to be honest, I didn't finish it because it was so big. And somehow I, I didn't like, so what did you learn from that book? Why is it so special so, for you? So, so it's, 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 uh, if you look at the title, it's, it sounds like a very, uh, I don't know. Uh, it sounds like a different book when you read it because it's, it's really about deep values and, and how you kind of, uh, are honest and how you take responsibility in a good way for, for, for yourself and for other people. What is the the training or the podcast or like you know the blog or influencer that you you would recommend entrepreneurs and people growing a startup like you to 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 follow to listen to to watch? So I don't have, I actually don't have some something that I am following very regularly. Uh, I am, but but I think that YouTube is is a very good place to find inspiration in different topics, uh, and one 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 of the. People I really like uh, that have a lot of content on YouTube is Simon Sinek. Hmm. Start with why. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I will also put the link. It's it's one of the link. It's one of the the recommendations that comes back um, very very often in this podcast, and I understand why. And I think it's it's very important to actually start with why, and that's how you actually like <laughs> you mention it enough to how you attract the right people and how you motivate people around you. So. Um, can you tell us one thing about you that I wouldn't be able to find out online? Uh, I'm a musician, <laughs> or, you, huh? or used to be. <laughs> used to be play a lot of keyboards. Uh, so a few years when I turned 50, I and, uh, and a friend from my youth, uh, we uh, put together a, a band again and played some of our old songs and, and invited some hundreds of people to, to be part of, of that uh, concert and some uh, eating afterwards. Oh, amazing. And that's, that's, that hasn't been <laughs> recorded. That's not online. That's not online, no. <laughs> <laughs> Good. As you can see in my background, I also love music and I'm also a musician, yeah, yeah. so that's, I, I can relate to that. Um, which, uh, the, the, the last one is, actually I've asked you before, but which error have you made in the past that you wouldn't commit again if you had to start over now? Oh, this is a very good question. Uh, it should be a good answer, which because we embrace failures, you know. So for us, it was very important uh, to get everyone in the same place. Uh, and uh, for quite a long time, we were, as I said, we were bootstrapping and we had some people on the university. And, and uh, even when we started to have some employees, we were renting some offices at the university and some lab space on the university. And we had another small office at, at an incubator. Uh, and uh, we also had one of the machines that we rented place in, uh, in a different nearby city and, and so on. Uh, so um, uh, it took like two years uh, from, from, from the registration of the company until we put everyone full-time in the same place. Uh, but when we did that, we increased the speed so much and the communication became so much better. And so, so uh, that could have happened earlier. <laughs> And uh, how is it going now with, with Corona, by the way? Like, I guess, you know, technical, yeah. uh, how do you deal with Corona right now? So right now we have decided to keep everyone home that don't need to be at the laboratory uh, uh, or in the production. We have a lot of people 
or a number of people that need to be in, in, in the facilities and uh, to, to, to make the work uh, and to make as few interactions as possible. We are letting them have the office and, and, and the lab and, and, the, and the production uh, and everyone else are trying to work remotely right now. Let's hope that this is going to change soon, at least sometime next year. I yeah, yeah. yeah, I hope so. Um, thank you very much for, for all these advice. I mean, now it's your time for, you know, communicate whatever you want to communicate to our audience. So where they can find you, where they can contact you. Are you raising some funding? Are you looking for, I, I yeah. know you are like releasing a product, so you're probably looking for clients. So this is your time. Uh, take as much time as you want to share whatever you want with our audience. Yeah, our go-to place is epishine.com, of course, uh, where we have information about our uh, brand new product release, uh, or our, our new product, our new evaluation kit, and uh, where to find that and, and, and uh, also to order that. Uh, and if, of course, we are interested to get in, in collaboration with, with uh, more and more interesting companies, and we, have, we are very supportive Uh, so we have our solutions group supporting with electronics, with mechanics, with design, with manufacturing of electronic devices uh, in large scale. Uh, so uh, uh, any company interested in how to power things in a good looking way without batteries, uh, we would like to, to join up with you to support you in, in, in that journey. Uh, so please contact us. Uh, we will also do an, an issue uh, this spring. So uh, if you are interested in investing in, in Epishine, uh, you're welcome to contact me. Okay. What kind of like, a, when you said, what are you going to do in spring? Like a, a, new, a new fundraising? Uh, are you going yeah. to use a public one or, uh, or, are, or is it like with, no, with investors? So, so, so we are still uh, a private non-listed company. Uh, so, uh, but we are inviting uh, uh, private investors uh, to be part of that journey. So. And Matthias, thank you very much for your time and all your advice today. It was very, very useful and I've learned a lot and I find your your company, very inspiring. Um, so I'll share all of these resources on our website online and I wish you all the best and uh, a good launch of the, of, of the product then. Thank you. Uh, it, it has been a pleasure uh, and a very interesting conversation. If you like this podcast, there are two things you can do that would mean the world to me. The first thing is to sign up for the podcast newsletter. That way, you will be notified of the new episodes, but you will also get a summary of the learnings at the end of every season. Plus, for each episode, you will get the resources and the list of do's and don'ts that every guest shares with me. And finally, you will also get the opportunity to ask our future guests one question in advance. You can sign up for this newsletter on gtimpact.com. The second thing you can do to be super helpful is to recommend this podcast. For that, you can write a review on Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with your friends, other entrepreneurs, and people trying to build a sustainable future. That way, we can all learn together and work on a brighter future for us, our children, and our planet. Thank you very much and see you next week for the next episode. Have a nice day.